2: Welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina.
1: And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, today we've got Corey Wright. Yeah, Corey Wright of William Wright Commercial Real Estate Services.
2: Owner, managing broker, uh super successful commercial broker and a great friend of the show. Great, uh,
1: great friend of the show, great friend of ours and
2: Man, talk about a guy who's whip smart. You know what? Every time I sit down with Corey, I, I don't know why he sits down with us. He, I take <laughs> he way more say. from my conversations with him than he must take from his conversations with me. But uh, yeah, we really appreciate him being on the show. And he gives us kind of this, you know, commercial real estate 101. Yeah, right?
1: exactly. This is for all the folks out there that are potentially interested in commercial real estate, uh, but don't know much about it. This is like a crash course on... What it's all about and how to make money in commercial real estate, and who better than Corey Wright for that? I I don't think there is
2: anyone better. (laughs) So stay tuned for that really exciting episode. And Matt, before we get to that, uh, you almost got beat up on the weekend. I
1: did, I did, yeah, and I wasn't even on the Grandville Strip. I was.
2: uh... (laughs) Does this remind you of high school? (laughs) Yeah,
1: Uh... it was. It was actually terrifying. I was I was in Seattle for just a very short uh, two days, and down at the original Starbucks. Uh, so a lot of people will know where that is. Getting a right? Frappuccino. Getting a Frappuccino. And uh, and no, there's a guy outside who, you know when you're standing near somebody and you can feel like the vibe of the entire street change? Right. Um, that this is going to beat somebody up. This guy is he's angry. He went over to the Starbucks, um, uh, the patio. Right. The guy's sitting reading a newspaper underneath uh, uh, an umbrella. Minding his own business. And he... Went over and wrenched the umbrella all the way, dragged it across so it was right near the sidewalk so he could stand under it. Uh, and in terms of this is the Starbucks <laughs> umbrella that they've
2: set up above their
1: tables. That's it. So a, he's yeah. using it as his own personal umbrella. Exactly. So and he's and he's not drinking a Starbucks. And uh, <laughs> not that that's allowed. <laughs> even if you're. Like, yeah. So anyway, I'm looking like okay, we have got a situation. Everybody's thinking the same thing. Right. The guy who he wrenched it away from just gets up and leaves like immediately. Just yeah. there's no uh, there's no shame. Stands up and, right uh, and takes off. And I'm with a guy that I know from Vancouver, and he's—you'd never think he was a tough guy, but he's kind of smiling. And and I'm like, okay, how do we get out of this situation? Right. So he, the the guy who wrenched the uh, the umbrella over, looks at us, and I'm like, oh man, okay, how? Uh, yeah. Clench my jaw, get ready to take a take a punch <laughs> yeah. to the face. So he's yeah. so he's, uh, he's you know, what are you guys looking at? Uh, I'm gonna rip out your eyeballs. I'm gonna gouge you. So he you.
2: thinks you're staring him down. Yeah.
1: So then he s- starts saying, "I'm gonna pull your hair. I'm gonna like." It reminded me like of an old Wu Tang song. <laughs> so, so something about a rusty screwdriver. Yeah, yeah. And but I mean, maybe I should set the stage. Better here, like Brent's got two kids. You know, he's pushing forty-five. My daughter's inside Starbucks getting a cake pop with with the moms, and we're 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 standing outside wearing like our Canada t-shirts, like two lame dads with dad bodies. <laughs> yeah, dad. Yeah. And this guy's like threatening us with a rusty screwdriver. So right. I have as you know about as much uh, pride as the guy who darted away uh, when he got his umbrella ripped. I basically get the hell out of the way. Like I. I I want nothing to do with this. And I watch as Brent, like, you know, he's got this kind of smirk on his face, like, like he's actually kind of provoking this guy. Yeah. So anyway, long story short, the guy starts walking towards Brent doing this slow limp uh, and keeps making these threats. Where are you at this time? I'm, I'm about six feet away. Clearly he's not going to be able to hit me, but I'm kind of want to stay around. Cause I'm like, well, Just what in if, case. what if Brents? yeah, yeah. gets You want to be a
2: first responder. Yeah. <laughs>
1: exactly okay (laughs) i want to be the guy that jumps on his back uh and can't get hit but anyway so long story short he uh he keeps the threats he gets right up in brent's face and brent goes come on you're not that guy i can see right through this and the guy like immediately the whole vibe changed and he's like you're right i'm not he called him out (laughs) yeah and the guy was like, "I'm not, unreal. I'm just, uh, I'm just messing around, man. Uh, wow." And then uh, starts talking. Got the guy's life story. He was hit by a car. Like all this, all this, uh, the backstory. And then they're you know shaking hands and uh, hugging it out. And and yeah, then my kid comes out with a with the cake pop and is all excited. And it's like, oh, who's our new friend here? Unbelievable, but I. <laughs> I, the long and short of it is man uh, Brent's a lot more courageous than I thought and wow. a lot more courageous than myself, so uh, yeah. kudos to him <laughs> nice anyway uh how was your weekend?
2: you know what I had a less eventful i was I was doing open houses this weekend we had actually a really good uh, I've got clients that have been doing taking on renovation projects for years. We work with a lot of flippers, right? Right. And, uh, you know, these guys, they do fantastic work. And yeah. And they're always, you know, it, it's like they're perfectionists. So every project that they do, it's always really well received and they make very neutral choices, but they, but great choices.
1: They, they fully understand how to make money in exactly with those types of projects, right? Exactly. So we just had a huge
2: successful, uh, sale on the weekend for one of their projects that they've been working on and, and was you know a quick turnaround like they that was like a two, they were in it for what two months that's the thing yeah it was like an 8 week turnaround and this is probably the best we've ever done in in that short of a time period i mean they've had some really really successful renovations Um, so yeah, that was exciting. And then actually just yesterday, I, uh, actually this ties in. We had a listener question about three weeks ago that we haven't actually got to on the podcast, but somebody had written in just saying, you know what? I want to get into renovating. I want to get into flips. How do I, how can I find a deal in this market? Because the Vancouver market is so busy and it's such an aggressive seller's market in a lot of cases that you really, there's, there's people feel underwhelmed with with this you know potential for opportunity. Yeah.
1: And, and well, in other markets, you know, you hear about people going around and poking and prodding and, and seeing, you know, sure. you know, who's, who's really a little desperate to sell. That's, it, it, that hasn't been this market for, for quite some time. Exactly. And it's often in markets where stuff has
2: been on for six months or, or, you know, a year yeah, on longer, the market. Yeah. And so it, it always comes up. I just, we just, uh, won out in a, in a beat out the competition in a court ordered sale yesterday. And part of it is, is a lot of people ask us if court ordered sales or you know, four strata sales are opportunities. And we've talked about that in previous episodes. Um, but you know what? I, I think you know, if you're conservative with your numbers, if you're patient and you're actually willing to probably lose a few before you actually get one, mm-hmm. there can be amazing opportunities in court-ordered sales, absolutely. But we do have a great episode. It's actually one of my favorite episodes, uh, episode 42, where we talk about six ways to find a deal in any market. Um, and you know, I, I, still think that that advice that we gave in that episode, which, you know, it's probably stands. about a year, it still stands, but it did make us, uh, that question kind of prompted me to start thinking about, you know, the kind of the, the, three things to consider when you are looking for opportunity, even in a Vancouver market. Right. And Matt, what what's the first one? I mean, this is one that everyone thinks of probably.
1: Yeah. Well, and this is one that you can, you can definitely find in, in the hottest markets around, right? Absolutely. And it's basically looking for the distressed home. So distressed home is is one that
2: doesn't show well. It probably is in need of repair. Maybe it's been tenanted. It's been beat up um you know it's full of furniture uh, a hoarder lived there 30 cats think yeah. of that house
1: yeah right. i mean often in in this uh market it's usually it's usually tenants right that it's like a tenant it's hard to show when you get in there you're like oh my it's god got the i didn't even realize furniture. didn't even realize somebody lived this way yeah <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> or <laughs>
2: we've the tenants s- using the couch that they collected in the back lane yeah exactly. in the west end which you know we've all been there uh <laughs> But <laughs> it, it, you know what I mean? It, the, the, you go in there as, as the seller's agent to take photos and you're like, ah, oh, this is yeah, not going to show the way we need it to show. Yeah, right? Exactly. You do your best. But uh, okay, so so one way to look for an opportunity would be looking for a distressed home. Yeah. But what would be the, a second way?
1: Well, uh, the, the second way would be to look for a distressed seller. And, right. and that's often where there's huge opportunities and it might be a beautiful property. So give, give us an example of a, a distressed seller. Yeah, what we mean by distressed seller is somebody that has to sell, right? Right. So death, divorce, relocation, right. somebody that's hyper anxious about, about the market and, and just wants to unload a property, you know, it's, it's better now right. than later. Um, you know, these, these sellers exist and uh, there's, there's huge opportunities when you, uh, when you can pinpoint those, uh, those weaknesses. Yeah, and it could be also not only someone who's anxious about, about selling
2: because they maybe think the market is in for some kind of correction or whatever, but it could be somebody that's not paying attention, yeah. right? And, good, good and they're point. not getting good advice, which kind of brings us, so these are two common ones that you hear all the time, but we want to add a third one to the mix, the distressed realtor. Yeah, And uh, <laughs> the distressed realtor is, is, is another one that creates opportunities for buyers. And you know what? There's a lot of great realtors out there. We work with a ton and uh, we love the realtors in Vancouver, but there are definitely agents out there that are not properly marketing property.
1: Yeah. And it's like any profession, right? I mean, hey, there's a lot of accountants out there. There's some amazing accountants. There's some that... Not so great. Yeah.
2: So let's talk about the distressed agent. So this is an agent that is maybe overwhelmed or undertrained or uh, perhaps they're not properly marketing the property. We say actually in episode 42, learn to love no photos, right? Because there's opportunities When, when an agent launches with no photos, watch your clients. Like literally, if you go through the list of properties that you've sent to a client, and you go to the one where there's no photos chances are your cl- it, your client just clicked right through it right they didn't look at it right which is the
1: vast majority of people yeah well when you think about it looking for a property is right. takes a lot of energy and one of the ways that you try and you know save some time is to look at the photos obviously first before you for go sure. see a property and when you can't see what the property looks like you have no idea You know, it's so much easier to give it a miss. Learn to love
2: no photos. And also, I mean, an incorrect rollout. I mean, in this market, we're seeing a lot of people list on a Monday, show the property on a Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, and look at offers the following Monday or Tuesday, right? Um, You know, if somebody is willing to look at offers immediately and they've maybe been incorrect or they've undervalued the property, they haven't done a proper comparative
1: market analysis, This is an opportunity, right? Or they're often dealing with a seller who has unreasonable expectations. But guess what? After a while, if it's still in the market, that suggests that the seller does need to sell it. and, uh, And they're often ripe for... You know that anguish come to Jesus moment where uh, where they're dealing with this is the bottom line and we finally got an offer and exactly and, you know, this is what you got to take exactly so just to recap that if you
2: if you are looking for an opportunity first of all go back to episode forty two yeah uh, and listen one to of that the best. first one of our best but three quick ways to cons- to keep in the back of your mind when you're looking at properties distressed homes distressed sellers and the last one distressed agents. And we're not not talking about us. Well, anyways, uh, let's get to our interview with Corey Wright, because this is a a fantastic one, and you're going to learn a lot. Yeah, no kidding. Enjoy, guys. Okay, so we're here with Corey Wright, founder of William Wright Commercial. How are you doing, Corey?
3: Good, yourself. Thanks for having me. Hey, Yeah. uh, yeah.
2: Thanks for taking the time today. For you guys, anything. (laughs) So, uh, Corey, can you start maybe by telling us just a little bit about yourself?
3: Sure. Uh, We started William Wright Commercial uh, about five years ago now. We have offices in Vancouver, New Westminster, soon to be Langley this summer. We have a great team of about 14, which will be expanding up to about 30. Um, Definitely think we found a good niche in the market, customer service based. And uh, obviously, it's a good market to be in. And, and, right. and you were at Collier's before? No, I was at Prompton before. Oh, sorry. Yeah, man. no, I was at Prompton before. So, it's Jeez, man. <laughs> do you guys I, do I, any I, research I, here? I, I, just, I've all done, you have to do is read my bio on the page. I, know, I've
1: a, <laughs> I spent hours poring over everything, and I screwed that up. I can't, I can't believe it. <laughs> so, uh,
2: Well, the reason we wanted to have you on, Corey, is, is we, we do have a lot of people that are investing in commercial real estate that listen to our show. But this is more kind of the commercial real estate 101 Right, right. So we we, yeah. uh, we we should mention we we use you guys for everything. You guys are a fantastic team. Um, but maybe just uh, if, if you can maybe start by just here's a slow pitch for you. Uh, what's the what's the relationship between the residential real estate market and the commercial real estate market
3: in Vancouver? For the most part, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, I think I think in our business too. Obviously, I think commercial done right is is completely done 180 degrees from typically residential guys will do it it's no different than me entering into your world right i'm going to go in i'm going to sell a house that has an oil tank that i had no idea existed and i'm not going to have anything to know how to do it properly right right and the same thing in commercial for us from the residential side that if it's done properly it's usually that much more financially beneficial to a client
1: and and is the market does the market move like so we've had a huge Couple years here in in the residential side. I know commercial's been booming as well, but is is it? Are they
3: linked in that way, market-wise? With the upticks, to some degree, yes. Because I think a lot of people that look at, say, a Vancouver address in a house where they're paying one or two million for, they might find a Vancouver industrial property for five or six hundred thousand, and they they enter that sort of game on the investing side of things. So we are seeing a huge increase, and we've seen a rapid increase, um, pretty much driven by supply and demand. There's been a lot of not. Not a lot of good product over the past couple of years. So as that comes out, you mean supply and demand kicks in. Um, people watch the residential market move. It creates confidence in the real estate market as a whole. Mm-hmm. And some maybe lower end commercial purchases people are getting into um, just helping to push up the bottom of our marketplace.
2: What about what about the the new foreign buyers tax? So obviously it, it went from fifteen percent to twenty percent recently in residential real estate, it does not impact commercial real estate. Has that put more pressure on the commercial market?
3: I, I think it's brought a lot more buyers to the table because right. a lot of people that maybe they might look at buying a Vancouver house and maybe it's the Vancouver address they're after, if they can buy a $2 million industrial building and save 15%, 20% on that, yeah. um, I think it brings a lot more buyers to the table. And that's obviously since that came in a couple of years ago, the 15%, that's put a huge a huge crunch on the commercial side and, and up you know, whatever supply we had even more so.
1: Hmm. And, and um, so since the the uh, new budget with the 30-point housing plan here came in, you know, everybody's – I mean, the market's still still moving quite quickly on the, on the residential side, but has that impacted the commercial side? Like, how is the commercial market right now?
3: Uh, it's extremely hot. Um, I think when the housing market takes off, what we see a direct effect is obviously in the development land hmm. side of things that we handle, which is a huge part of our business. Um, again, supply and demand kicks in. There's not a lot of good development land available. Vancouver's obviously landlocked with surrounding mountains and water. So when stuff comes available, we see it. We see the pressure. And do, really and, do,
1: and are you guys moving through kind of the similar cycles as us? Like spring's the busiest time. For summer sure. slows down. For sure. Yeah.
3: We, we have... You know, August is a tough month. I think in the industry as a whole, everyone's doing the last-minute vacation before yeah. school kicks in. December, everyone's you know has a cocktail in their hand, thinking about Christmas. So we have sort of the two-month slowdown. But besides that, we're, it's pretty busy all year. Um, March, we tend to see a little bit of an uptick in right. inventory come out. But in saying that, um, there's been a lack of inventory the past couple of years. So any any uptick we see is usually swallowed up. Absorption rates are pretty good. Right. And and so timing wise, would
1: you do you have? Any advice for for people that are thinking of dipping their beaks in in the commercial side of things?
3: Uh, I would definitely recommend having a commercial broker help you dip your beak into it, (laughs) just that (laughs) way you know what you're getting into. Um, But there's a lot of good opportunities, right? Again, Vancouver's landlocked for the most part. And we're seeing as development happens more and more and more, uh, a, a certain industry such as industrial is getting sucked up dry with lack of, a lack of good inventory, because from a rezoning standpoint, you can take a 10,000 square foot industrial lot that has a 2,000 square foot building and an 8,000 square foot yard on it, and you might be able to put 150 units on that. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing a huge, huge pinch on the industrial side of things, which also from an investment side, entering into the marketplace is a, almost a perfect storm, because typically industrial units are a little bit cheaper than maybe retail or office spaces. And with having more and more industrial sites turn into potential redevelopment sites, the demand for industrial on the leasing side is very, very high. So things are renting out at premium rates and they're renting out in record time, which is perfect for an investor, especially when you're entering that game. And again, you might enter five, 600,000 versus a good retail unit but might have to enter like two or three million.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, Corey, there's, there's been some huge commercial sales uh, recently in Coal Harbor. Uh, specifically right well, the, yeah the, the white gas station there well i was actually thinking about white rock was the biggest transaction white, of, spot. Or white spot white sorry. spot yeah the biggest transaction of uh 2017 i think 245 million dollars uh is that burger really
3: that good? Like, what's <laughs> the, apparently <laughs> appar- apparently that triple O sauce is worth a lot more than we thought. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it goes back to like Vancouver being landlocked, right? Like, especially if you look at the downtown core, you're surrounded by the water and mountains. There's only so much land available, right? And I think when you look at where that particular property sits, um, and then you also have the gas station next to it that Anthem picked up for a pretty hefty price tag. There's yeah, not too many of those million bucks. Yeah, like, there's yeah. not too many of those sites available, and that's when supply and demand kicks in on the development side of things. That, I mean, there's only so many Waterview brand new condos that are going to go up. I think if you look at Port Living's doing with their wood frame building down there in Coal Harbor. Yeah. And some of the outrageous prices they're asking for. I'm sure they're going to get it, which only creates more comfort for both local and foreign developers when they look at the marketplace and say, you I mean, it's almost like if you build it, they will come.
1: Wow. So, so. From what I'm hearing here, those numbers—do those numbers make sense to you?
3: Yeah, it, w- they sell on what they call a buildable square foot, which is so much how much we can put on the land eventually. Mm-hmm. And when people are doing deals at six hundred to six hundred and fifty dollars of buildable, and they're eventually selling them probably north of two thousand by the time you incorporate all their costs, they're still profitable developments even at those outrageous prices.
2: Wow. So the, the Coal Harbor's pro formas are like probably 3,000 a foot or pretty close there.
3: Yeah, I would I would say you guys would know better than I would what the yeah. sellables are. But, I mean, if you're picking stuff up in Coal Harbour, again, there's nothing to pick up. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, I mean, typically in a high-demand marketplace, you might have 10 investors, both locally and foreign, sorry, developers, not investors, looking to buy the land that just drives the price that much higher. And from a sellable standpoint where there's just nothing available from the condo markets… Mm-hmm. You're getting absorption rates of probably almost 100 percent on the condo market. They can push these numbers every single month, and it just seems like people just keep buying.
2: So we can look forward
1: to more butterflies coming to Cole Harbour, basically.
3: Most likely, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, so maybe we can back up a little bit here. I mean, most of uh, a lot of our listeners are are really familiar, especially if they've been listening to our podcast for a while, with the residential side of things, how residential real estate works, um, how you do a market analysis with comparable properties. Can you just speak a little bit about how
3: uh, you evaluate price for commercial real estate? Sure. What's a good buy uh, and how to make money? Definitely. So commercial typically sells from an investment standpoint on a capitalization rate or a cap rate, it's called. And that's your yield on your property year over year based on your purchase price. So typically in the Vancouver marketplace, we might see things selling at say a 2.5% cap rate, which means you're going to earn a 2.5% return on your, on your total investment in the property. As lease rates go up, which almost seems to be almost annually, your cap rate tends to go up, but your purchase price has never changed. Mm. So over the years, if you buy smart, you can buy into developing areas where they might have a lower lease rate today, but in three to five years, you might have a higher lease rate, which then you're yielding a higher return on your on your, um, on your your investment. So how we evaluate investment properties for investors would be pretty much on a capitalization rate, which is dictated by the, the NOI, the net operating income on the property.
1: And, and you're presumably looking for up-and-coming neighborhoods and buildings that are potentially not being used to the best of...
3: For sure. No, that, that's where I think the money is. Um, from a market standpoint, if someone's buying, we'll say, a Yale Town property on a premium corner that has a maximum rent value attached to it, you're probably exposed to the marketplace. If the market has any form of correction and things start selling at a higher cap rate, which then drives the purchase price down... You might have to sit on the property for quite some time to recoup your money other things we see in vancouver real estate is areas will go on vacancy runs robson's a good example where the rates tend to get so high it pushes out the local business owners and from a from a tenant standpoint they realize they're working for the landlord not themselves at this point right so when we're evaluating properties like yaletown where we might see some of the lease rates getting into the 60 65 70 75 dollars a base foot price point where A lot of local businesses can't sustain that. A lot of restaurants can't sustain that. So you tend to, if you're buying into a property based on those lease rates and you have a vacancy run in an area, those lease rates might fall, which is lowering your investment. So it's really important to understand the lease rate of the market you're going into before you buy into it. So, Corey, can you talk a little bit about adding value? So that's the nice thing with commercial real estate, say, versus residential real estate, is because it sells based on the net operating income of the building. When we're looking for properties, if we find under market lease rates, maybe maybe the building's been owned by a family for years and years and years, and they haven't increased the rent value with the tenant, kind of the not broke, why fix it attitude. Mm -hmm. We do a market evaluation. The tenant's paying $20 a foot base rent. We feel the market's worth $40 a foot base rent. Our clients purchase the building. We either do some renovations to it, clean it up a little bit to get the higher lease rate, or maybe the market can service it. It's just a really good deal on the tenant side. They might be on a month to month. You go in, you get them to come up to market rates. If we can double that lease rate, which then doubles the NOI on the property, essentially you're doubling the value of the property instantly.
2: So you're you're often going in, rehabbing, releasing, and putting it back out. For sure. the market. Yeah,
3: and you can get some quick turnarounds on that stuff. Um, again, having a good commercial guy that knows those marketplaces right. are huge. Mm. What, what areas are you uh, are you kind of most excited about right now? I'm um, a big advocate of New Westminster right now. I think New Westminster, especially the uptown area, I think you look at it's a transit-oriented city. For the longest time, they seem to almost have an archaic development system where sometimes it was taking one to two years probably closer to two years to get a development permit and get a rezoning in place um since the current council's been in they've been very pro development and they've really streamlined that process so you're seeing a lot of developers who looked at it before that weren't interested that are now getting back into the game i think from a housing standpoint sky trains are going to be the be-all end-all to get into the city because a lot of people obviously the cost there's lack of parking and the cost of transportation that I think New Westminster having three Skytrains, it's it's almost the center. To some degree, you can get to Burnaby, Surrey, Langley, everything relatively quickly from New Westminster. I think it's still undervalued. So I think there's areas like that. Port Moody seems to be a really good area with all the transformation on St. John's. Again, all driven by the Skytrain. So I think anything that has a transit-oriented opportunity attached to it, um, that it, maybe it doesn't have a Vancouver address, you might have definitely have some upside still.
1: So there's. it sounds like that's kind of exactly our... Read yeah. on the on the residential market.
3: We follow the residential. We watch to see where developers buy, and as people move into the areas, it drives it drives up jobs, yeah. and jobs drive right. commercial real estate. I think Surrey is a great example. For the longest time, the problem with Surrey was the bridges. Surrey has created an infrastructure that you can live and work in Surrey now. They don't have to leave Surrey, so right. it takes the bridge equation right out. And even if you have to, even if you have to get out of Surrey now with the SkyTrain opportunities, you can be from Surrey to New Westminster in fifteen minutes and eliminate the bridges altogether.
2: So when you approach a, a property, what kind of criteria then? So you're, obviously you're looking at kind of the future development of the area. For sure. You're looking at the how can you add value uh, to the property. Is there anything else that you consider? I
3: think the value of the tenant, obviously, and I think a lot of that dependent on the purchaser's criteria. If you might have a purchaser maybe where they're looking for a less riskier venture, um, maybe a little bit older in age, something like a Tim Hortons might be an attraction to them as a AAA tenant. You're going to have a, a smaller cap rate, on the property, but with Tim Hortons, your money is probably golden, pretty much. Government tenants are kind of the same way. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it will depend on the, the criteria. How we evaluate for any client is what's the exit strategy? How do you get out? Because we're a big believer. If you buy right, that's where you make your money. As long as we have multiple exit strategies, whether it's a lift on the leases and a resell, whether it's a future redevelopment potential, as long as we have a couple exit strategies on the property, it tends to be a pretty good buy. That will that will definitely uh, key in on. So
1: if if somebody out there is getting excited about uh, commercial here, I I know we know you're not a a finance guy here, but what what type of buy-ins required for somebody thinking about this?
3: For sure. So banks look to see what what can be debt serviced. And as long as the property is in a positive cash flow position, banks usually get pretty comfortable with that. And right now with, with the prices people are paying, the cap rates and the lease rates all tied in. You're probably looking around 35 to 40% as a down payment to cash flow them. A lot different than residential. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of where the banks tend to get comfortable. And again, banks will also look at upside as well. So you might get a little bit smaller down payment if there's a shorter term upside attached to it. Banks also look at first time commercial buyers, where you know it is a different ball game than just buying a house and having a standard residential tenancy branch contract attached to it. The more commercial you buy, the more comfortable your banker might start to become with you that you actually know what you're doing and you're mm-hmm. not just taking a big risk. But 35 to 40% is probably a good entry point.
1: And, and do you work with a lot of uh, guys that have partnered up, people that have
3: partnered up? For sure. For sure. And we're seeing that more and more where, where guys have equity in their house. They want to take tap into some of that equity. They maybe don't want to have a rental property in the residential side. You um, I mean nothing wrong with that, but obviously we've seen the challenges Um, from that side of things where maybe they don't want to get in bed that way versus commercial, you're not governed by a province-driven lease. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything's negotiable. And we're seeing more and more guys tap into that equity, going in and buying a small commercial building, small strip mall, little office building together, purely based on price, but also diversifies the risk.
2: Where are you seeing opportunities like in terms of um, retail space, industrial uh, multifamily. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's opportunities everywhere, but sure. are you excited about a, a, a particular segment of the market?
3: I think I think if you look at Fraser Valley markets are really, really good. And I think if you look at Fraser Valley industrial markets are even that much better. Areas like Campbell Heights, parts of Langley, the new industrial tenants different than the old industrial tenant. 10 years ago, you might've had a 50,000 square foot warehouse with loading bays and semi trucks pulling up. Right. The new industrial might be 1,500 to 2,000 square feet. It might be a tech company where you might have the administrators working upstairs. Downstairs, they're packing all the shirts. And it's not a semi-truck pulling up. It's a UPS truck. Hmm. And 50 little bags go into the UPS truck. Proximity to airports, proximity to the borders, stuff like that. um, That's probably a pretty good market to enter into. It's probably a pretty safe market to enter into. Retail can be very, very volatile based on what's surrounding it. And again, with a retail standpoint, because retail is more driven by foot traffic, is if you have a shift in the marketplace where over a 10-year period, maybe Gastown's not the place anymore and Yaletown pops up, you're going to watch all those tenants slowly shift out of your area. Industrial, you tend not to see that as much because people aren't as dependent as walk-by traffic.
2: Right, right.
3: So uh,
1: we've had a lot of people reach out to us about land assemblies here in Vancouver, people that own houses on, on thoroughfares. Um, I, we know you work uh, on, on that aspect of the business, and we've actually referred people to you. Um, and everybody sees those signs all over East Van. How do you approach a land assembly uh, from a value perspective? Sure.
3: Uh, so we, everything gets based on a buildable price per foot, which is driven by FSR, floor space ratio, which is a simple equation. Uh, the city will go through and they'll, under an OCP, official community plan, they'll go through and they'll assign a potential FSR to areas that allows us to tell... Or sorry, that, sorry, that tells us how much we can put on those on that land. And it's a simple equation from the land size multiplied by the FSR gives us our potential gross buildable square footage. We'll evaluate based on that. So when we look at areas where, um, say, the Sunrise District, where there hasn't been as much OCP work done as maybe if you go to the Woodlands area, it's a little more challenging to find values there. But right. we will take it as simple equation, um, ties back into a sellable price per foot what the developer can sell for at the end of the day. We take the land values of all that stuff. What can we potentially build there? And we come up to a number that way. $350 of buildable, $400 of buildable, our numbers will get tossed around in the East Vancouver area.
1: So, so, you know, I often see in the media people just, Upset about how you know the teardown uh, along Nanaimo sold for X amount, yeah. but from from what you just explained there, those numbers totally make sense.
3: They make sense, and from a news standpoint, they're going to take the 2.2 million dollar corner house in Nanaimo and they're going to run with it and say that oh, unaffordability. <laughs> a developer is not buying a 2.2 million dollar house. The developer is buying a seven or eight thousand square foot lot that you can take that single family house and you can put sixteen residents on it. Mm -hmm. So that's where, when you see these stories, there's always a lot of stuff that maybe doesn't come to the forefront on sort of how those stories are getting processed on the back end.
2: Right. So you must be monitoring, you know, spot rezoning and for and, sure. and situations where people kind of game changing development applications. Yeah, that, for sure. That, so, okay, that's 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 really interesting. And I mean, we we talk about latent value in the land all the time, when you, especially when there's the news stories where you have, you know, that what you can buy in Winnipeg versus what you can buy on the west side and, yeah. you know,
3: yeah, no, it's but then you'd have to live shocking. in Winnipeg. Yeah. yeah, no, oh, that's, no, no that's offense, Winnipeg. Yeah. But, but being a Jets fan nowadays is yeah. probably pretty good. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's probably a, a good thing. Right? It's
1: going to be an exciting spring in Winnipeg. Yeah, I used to make fun know. of Toronto
3: fans, and now I wear a bag over my head when I go to Toronto. <laughs> um,
1: okay, so uh, you know
2: we, we know you primarily as a commercial broker, but you have a long past as an investor, and and you're you're involved in in several investments yourself. Can you talk about some of your biggest mistakes that you've made along the way?
3: Um, I think the biggest thing, I think, in business, which I think relates to commercial real estate, so you is you get to the point you think you're invincible. And I think you really got to realize what made you successful in the first place. It's no different than watching a large company where they're maybe really good at manufacturing something and they think they see a market opportunity and they veer off that. I think when you look at commercial real estate, you've got to stay true and loyal to what the numbers are and not get, A, emotionally involved with it and B, also remember what makes money and what doesn't make money. If you get to the point where you've had a few successes, maybe you had a market lift that made you think you were a developer, yeah. <laughs> and then you go buy the impossible building that you also think you're going to turn around, when you get to that invincible standpoint, you have problems. Yeah, and So that's stay where it, humble. Stay humble, and I think stick to your criteria. Whatever financially made sense before, stick to that criteria. Try not to veer off it too much. If you have game plans that involve a 10 or 15% market lift for you to make money, uh, those might be red flags, yeah, because it is a marketplace.
2: I think investors often y- you have to tell yourself you're not a genius, no. uh, and
1: and and be disciplined. Right? Well, and for and sure. es- especially in in Vancouver over the last four or five years, right? Where like yeah. I often joke, you know, you can have a guy that is is trying not. To make money and he's made you know, yeah. hundreds of thousand dollars accidentally in the
2: last three years you could have thrown a dart at a yeah. dartboard just any so, area any property anything that it landed on you could have
1: bought this, and you'd be so a genius, everybody's
3: right? patting patting themselves everyone's the a back. developer yeah. right now yeah. and that's what that's what we see come to the forefront guys who have maybe made money purely based on default are developers yeah and and when the market's good everyone's a developer when that market shifts and changes that's when you see who knows what they're doing and who doesn't know what they're doing
1: it always goes back to that Warren Buffett when the tide goes out, yeah, who's swimming naked, right?
3: Yeah, no, I think I think as long as you stay smart to what it is, and you and you buy smart, where you're buying where you can add value into the property, whether it's through lease rates or improvements, you're adding the value to the property. You're not dependent on the market lifting it. So if you can bring to the table a twenty percent value add opportunity, you're creating a market value today that if that market does shift on you ten or fifteen percent, you're still above water. Yeah. Versus if you're buying that premium Yelltown property at premium rents, if that market shifts, you're the guy that's that's naked out and the tide goes out. Yeah. Not, it's probably not a good scene.
1: Yeah.
2: Always wear a one-piece. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So <laughs> let's, uh, talking about uh, advice for our listeners thinking about getting into commercial. Do you have kind of one piece of advice that you'd offer?
3: Step number one, engage a good commercial broker. hundred percent. Step yep. number two, I would probably say, you mean, Industrial is probably a safer bet that we talked about. Mm. I mean, I think guys don't get too leveraged. I mean, commercial real estate is not a cheap thing, and it's a different monster altogether. I mean, it's a completely different monster than houses, so start small and then grow from there. If you do get into a property maybe a little bit bigger than what you first thought, hire a property management company. Right. to take care of the day-to-day operations. Otherwise, you don't want to get a phone call at 2 in the morning that your building's on fire.
1: He's <laughs> speaking from experience. He's speaking from this morning.
3: Or, or, or the garbage isn't getting taken out properly. Property management companies come in, and the fees right. for property management companies can be paid in the additional rent cost by your tenants. Yeah. So there could be actually no cost to actually carry these companies.
1: Can you speak to a little bit about how, yeah, the property taxes, sure, uh, sure. how it's different from the residential side with tenants?
3: So. Typically, in, in commercial, we have two types of rent. We have base rent or basic rent, and then we have additional rent, CAM costs, CAM and taxes. And it's sort of broken into two areas. The base rent is sort of driven by your market criteria and your market rates. That we can negotiate. The additional rent costs are the costs for the landlord to operate the property. strata fees, insurances, property taxes, and the tenant, management. And the tenant pays those. The tenant pays those. And your base rent is usually fixed for your term, however you negotiate, your additional rent goes up every year as costs go up. Mm-hmm. So if I buy a house and I'm renting it out for 2000 bucks a month, but my property tax goes up the following year and my rent doesn't, my profits are shrinking. Versus in commercial, your additional rent costs tend to be a flow-through account for you pretty much. But as your costs go up, those get passed on to the tenants. So your bottom lines aren't changing every year. Mm. creates sort of a safety net, especially in Vancouver when you're seeing increased values and property taxes due to redevelopment mm-hmm. strata fees seem to be going up every year insurances seem to be going up those costs get passed on to your tenant
1: well and that's why it's so much better to own that piece of property on denman than to be that <laughs> mom and pop bar trying to make a go of it
3: yeah and, and yeah. lease rates tend to seem like they go up every month
2: yeah well there's a reason denman now i mean what's what's on then other than the donnelly
1: group there on the corner like where do you well, there's yeah. actually that good italian restaurant and there's but a it's, the it's, blind sparrow pub that seems to be making a go of it but it's a tough, t- 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 that's a tough strip. Well, eh? I, th- I
3: think if you look at, I mean, you're paying extremely high rents 12 months of the year and mm-hmm. you're probably busy five or six months of the year, yeah, right. which is a tough game to play. Yeah. And that's where I think, you, you know, you look at areas like that, you go to white rock down by the water there, extremely high rents. You're probably busy half the year, but you're paying full rent all year long. And if you don't have multiple locations attached to you, like say the Joseph Richards groups has locations out there. If you don't have other locations helping feed that, it's mm-hmm. a very tough go.
2: What about people that want to dip their toe in commercials? Start thinking about it. They're not ready to call Corey yet, but they want to maybe read a book. Do you have a book recommendation or somewhere to somewhere to start?
3: Um, You know, there's lots of good research online. Yeah. Um, There's probably no go to book. The Vancouver market seems like it's changing so rapidly. That something it, three months ago might not be relevant today. It's, yeah. It's
2: also, like general, like a Canadian commercial book or a yeah. Canadian commercial podcast wouldn't it really capture what's going on in Vancouver, right? Because it's it's a
3: very unique market. Yeah, Vancouver's standalone marketplace. You know, it probably has some level of mirroring to Toronto, but I think mm-hmm. Vancouver such an international market now that you can't you mean know, you can't pick up literature or hear some guy talk out of Winnipeg that's going to tell you how Vancouver operates. It's almost sure. a marketplace that you have to be in it to understand it. Yeah.
2: What about? Uh, uh, what about the five
1: wire yeah let's uh i think i think man that's a lot to lot, a lot to think to about here but here. um yeah we we got one other segment here the five wire Corey. can you stick Let, around for that let's do it all right
3: so what is your favorite area in vancouver i'm partial to yale that's where our, our main office is and that's kind of where uh, i lived for so many years that's where we're out of as well yeah, yeah. No, it's a great little spot favorite bar or restaurant I'm, I'm and, really, I'm and really, cool. you used to own bars yeah, and restaurants. Yeah, I'm, re- I'm really going go to go with the banter room right now in Yale Town. They have the most amazing salad. Um, because I don't get out very much at nighttime, I sort of judge them based on the lunch rushes now. Versus, <laughs> do you, you have an equity
2: a- stake in that? Or
3: I don't, but I, I hopefully, uh, for how much money I spend on salads at lunchtime, you think I should.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: they are good there. They do give me a free one every now and then. So, nice, nice. So shout out to them.
2: Wow, you might get another free one here. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Downtown Penthouse or West Side Mansion?
3: I got kids, so I got to go with the West Side Mansion because my kids are at the age they'd be falling off the penthouse patio at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's at that age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, depending on how that's much dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's the other problem too when that wine kicks in you, yeah, yeah, that yeah. Thing, yeah. you know, it's a long way down. So, the first place you take somebody from out of town? It's a good question. Um, I, w- I would probably say. I'm a big shopper, so I'd probably say Harry Rosen. Harry Rosen. I'd probably say Harry <laughs> Rosen. I'd probably go to Harry Rosen. It's, you that's have, a hor- first. Horrible that's answer. A, that's a first. You, <laughs> have, a,
2: you have an expensive uh, appetite for footwear. Yes, it's, it's, and it's a Rosen's, problem. Uh,
3: Harry that's, Rosen, that's an expensive place to buy footwear. Uh, it's too expensive to buy there.
2: <laughs> um, okay, Corey. So last question. We actually literally just lifted this from Tim Ferriss, but... Um, we love this question, so what have you bought in the last six months to a year for two hundred dollars or less that has kind of changed your life or or made your life better
3: i did I got an amazing pocket square at Harry Rosen that I get so many compliments on. I think the problem is is the Shopping habits that I have, there's not a lot of things under $200 that yeah. I probably splurge on as right. bad you as I sound that like sounds.
1: Kanye West or yeah. something. Like yeah, but trust me, I don't, I don't,
3: it's, I'm not, I'm not leading any fashion world. I think yeah. I just get suckered into it, is what my problem is. He did
1: wear Yeezys
2: here today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not, not true, not true.
3: Uh, if I could get a good pair of Yeezys, I probably would be wearing them yeah. right now. The problem is you can't find them exactly,
2: exactly. But we try, we keep trying. Um, right all right, on. great. So, Corey, how can people find out more about William Wright?
3: Yeah, they can visit our website, williamwright.ca. Um, there we have all the information. Um, we're always happy to talk to people. A lot of first-time buyers, too. Always feel free to pop by in of the offices. We can answer any questions, go for lunch, sort of give you a little more information on how the process works. Yeah. And uh, never, there's no such thing as a dumb question. Perfect. And
2: I will say the one thing is, it, is a good commercial broker versus someone that might not know their stuff or someone who's pretty green, uh, I don't think there's mo- anything more important. If you're getting into the commercial game, you, you yeah, need, like the it's so broker specific.
3: It, it is. And, and probably a good handful, 75, 85, maybe 90% of the good stuff yeah. is all through broker networks. That exactly. Is lot, very little of it sort of comes to the public surface. Um, not that if you see it on the public surface, it's bad. A lot of it gets shopped. You mean privately, Mm -hmm. through broker networks, through landlords, through management companies. So if you have a good broker that's in the know with that stuff, usually they can get you the good stuff. Um, So it's kind of good access to that stuff.
1: Fantastic. Right on. Well, hey, thanks so much, Corey, for taking the time. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. Love
3: to come back anytime. Excellent.
1: There you have it, folks. Our discussion with Corey Wright of William Wright Commercial Real Estate Services. Always
2: uh, exciting to talk to Corey. Super interesting guy, wealth of information. Matt, what was your biggest takeaway?
1: My biggest takeaway, well, it's funny. we talked about distressed agents in the in the opening, and I mean th- there was so much there, but uh if you're interested in commercial real estate, get in touch with a guy like Corey Wright and don't use a residential realtor masquerading as a commercial broker. <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> you know what it's funny because we have so many
2: new agents that either join our team or join our office, and they're hungry right they wanna yeah. they wanna work on anything that comes
1: their way whether it's over and above what they're capable of or, or not, right? Well, hey, and, they, and often if you're a new agent, you'll think, ah, eh, this may be a good learning experience. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want somebody who's trying to learn yep. on your behalf one step ahead of you or or, or the blind leading the blind, right? And, and it doesn't have to be a new agent, right? If you've been doing residential, you could do residential for 30 years. Absolutely. At, but you're a newbie in that commercial space. No, uh, and, and I mean... It's a totally
2: different the game. The reality is if somebody calls myself or somebody calls you and they say, hey, look... We want to rehab a 12-story building in New West and add value and, and, you know, get rid of the tenants, add new new tenants or whatever. We're not the people for that, right? We have the people, um, but the reality is, is that
1: we're not the ones, right? We're not going to be helping you out with that. Um, Focus on what you know. Exactly, and we know residential real estate. So why don't you get in touch with us over at VancouverRealEstatePodcast dot com.
2: Absolutely, and also we should talk about our resources at VancouverRealEstatePodcast dot com. We've got private client services. If you're not using private client services, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. Absolutely, and it's fantastic. You're going to get listings thirty-six to seventy-two hours before the general public. You're going to get sold prices realtor level information folks go over to vancouverrealestatepodcast.com slash pcs
1: and sign up today you can also just click on that big research tools button it doesn't it get any easier it does it does not and there's also a mobile app that is fantastic over there as well sold prices uh functions for on-the-go. You can point... There's this thing, Augmented Reality. Brady D's not here, so right. I have to try and do this myself. Or you can point your phone at a building. It's going to show you what's listed in there. Absolutely. Uh, and what the prices are. It's, it's fantastic. So if you want can sign up and get both those apps and make sure you're using the best research tools out there.
2: Absolutely. Or just head over to our website for updates, because really what we're doing now is we're compiling the best real estate news that's available from our contributors, from what's online, recent stories, uh, topics, tips, investment advice. It's all over
1: there at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. And lastly, and this is bringing the lead, uh, we have a new knowledge section with a new podcast we absolutely have a new podcast
2: vancouver presale condos podcast also available on itunes so go and subscribe to that we are talking to the largest developers throughout the lower mainland about new projects
1: coming so if you're interested in new construction head over there today so matt how can people reach you give me a call at any time 778-847-2854 or email me at matt at com. Or you can try me at adam at
2: vancouverrealestatepodcast.com or 778-866-4574. Or try the nonpartisan line at info at com. That's a throwback. Anyways, have a great week, guys. All right, take care.
3: Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today.
1: Or volunteer, and they're looking for both donations and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca.
0: Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution.
1: We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down.